And as a spur to prayer today, I want to think about uh, the intercession of Christ and the praying of Christ for us. I'm sure everybody in this on this call is very familiar with texts like Romans 8, where Paul says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who's at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. The writer of Hebrews says that Christ always lives to intercede for us. And so there are all kinds of speculations about what the saints in heaven are doing. I can assure you they're not watching you. They're not engaging in recreation. When the curtain is pulled back for a moment in the book of Revelation, the one thing we always find the saints engaged in is corporate worship. Their attention is on Christ. And there are also unhealthy speculations about what Christ is doing in heaven now. I had a, an elderly woman a couple of months ago tell me she knew that Jesus right then was dancing with her grandmother because grandmother loved to dance. And obviously speculation and silliness. But when we're confined to scripture alone, we find that it tells us of a few distinct activities that Christ is engaged in in heaven. One is, as he's preparing for us a place, he tells us in John 14. This is a promise to believe. This is part of walking by faith and not by sight. We're trusting Christ that he's readying an eternal, glorious home for us. And it's a concrete location where our citizenship is. And he's building many of these permanent dwellings, mansions, room for all believers from every nation, tribe, and tongue. But we also know from repeated texts like the ones I just read from Romans 8 and Hebrews 7, one of the things that we can certainly say is that Jesus is interceding for his elect. He's praying for those who have been given to him to be saved, to come to a living faith, so that they would be with him in that place where he is, where he's preparing. You remember in John 17, Jesus is praying right then for believers, and he prays, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me. That's you and I. He says, I desire that they would be with me where I am. And Jesus is, is praying for believers' pardon and forgiveness. He's praying for the sanctification of each believer. Think of how he does that in that high priestly prayer in John 17, when he prays, Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. That's what Jesus is praying right now for you and I for our sanctification. The reason why you're deepening in maturity is because Christ is praying for you to grow and conquer sin and grasp mature concepts and put off old habits. One of my dear Puritan friends, most of my friends have been dead for at least 300 years, said it this way in talking about Christ's intercession. said, first of all, Christ is a skillful intercessor. He knows your weaknesses and failings in your case. He knows the law to which he must plead. He knows how to successfully plead. He knows how to plead his own perfect fulfillment in your place of the law, and he knows how to plead, I've paid for that sin, and he perfectly knows the judge. Secondly, he is a, a compassionate and a sympathetic intercessor. There's no harshness or hardness about him at all. And third, he's a, a prompt intercessor, that you may bypass the best time for pleading with the Father, but Jesus won't. He's always, his intercession is always timely. He's an earnest intercessor. His soul is in his work. Your prayers for yourself are not nearly as passionate as Christ for you. When he was praying for you and I in the garden, he was sweating drops of blood. 
He's also an authoritative intercessor. It's not enough that an intercessor be skillful and earnest. He must be admitted to the bar. My oldest son is an attorney, and he went through great training and expense and testing just to be admitted to the bar so he could plead cases. Well, Christ has been authorized. He's been admitted to the bar. In fact, he's the only one who's been okayed to come and plead authoritatively for sinners. Christ comes and pleads the blessings of the covenant of grace, of which he's the mediator, and he can ask for those blessings because he's purchased them with his blood. And he's a successful intercessor. The Father always hears him, never turns him away, because Jesus asked for nothing but that which he's already paid for. And he's a constant intercessor. The writer of Hebrews 7 says he's always living to make intercession for us. He never gets weary or bored. As long as his people sin, he'll cry out for pardon. As long as his people are immature, he'll plead for their sanctification. He never tires of interceding for you. Well, today, as we go to prayer, I'm not just grateful for the finished work of Jesus, his active and passive obedience, but I'm also grateful for his ongoing work, his priestly intercession. And this makes the resurrection and ascension of Jesus paramount. If we don't have a resurrected and ascended Christ, we don't have a heavenly intercessor. Those who deny the resurrection have no priest, no intercessor, no one on the right hand of the Father pleading their case, and they have no hope. So today, if you came here cold towards Christ, this truth should warm your love for Jesus, that there is a man who is up around the clock while you're asleep, when you're thoughtless and careless, when you're even sinning, there's a man who loves you so deeply that he would be constantly interceding for you. Let that drive us today in prayer that we have an intercessor who prays for us.